0: Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30am, 8.45am, 11am, and 5pm, with Sunday school for all ages at 10am. I also invite you to connect with the Chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living Letters of the Word. Amen. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a virgin named Mary. And he said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You may ask yourself, why is the preacher man paraphrasing the Annunciation? Perhaps I am longing for more Advent-esque temperatures. I am that, especially the week of day in the country. But those words of Mary, the song of Mary, are the perfect prelude for today's gospel, a parable told by her son. Dr. Amy Jill Levine, the author of the book we are currently studying, on the Wednesday morning Bible study, wrote this about parables. What makes the parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look into the hidden aspects of our own values, our own lives. They bring to the surface unasked questions, and they reveal the answers we have always known but refuse to acknowledge. And this is one of those parables. Parables. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. These characters would have been familiar to Jesus's audience. Dubious rich men and noble poor men were stock players in first century tales. And it is easy easy for us to read this story and come to a simple conclusion. The bad man was bad, so he went to the bad place. And the good man was good, so he went to the good place. And that's not entirely wrong, but the story is so much deeper and richer and more meaningful. Imagine the difference between a Twinkie and a 63 egg cake. (laughs) There was a rich man. Let's define rich. In the grand scheme of things, globally speaking, I am rich. Many of you are rich. Some of us are quite rich. But not like this rich man. He wore purple and fine linen. Purple was the most expensive dye on the market. And linen, the only other people who got to wear linen, were the priests. And only when they entered the Holy of Holies in the temple, the place where they believed God himself dwelled. The rich man wearing purple and fine linen is the equivalent of wearing a haute couture evening gown to go bowling. And he feasted sumptuously. I know this might shock you, but I get enough to eat. And once again, most of us have never known true hunger. But we don't feast sumptuously every day. We don't have Christmas dinner with the roast beast and all the sides and all the fixins and all the desserts and all the wine on a Tuesday with servants and live music. And if you do, why haven't you asked your rector over for supper? But that is what feasting sumptuously meant. This is not just a rich man. This is an ostentatious, gluttonous, ravenous narcissist. He is the worst, period. And at his gate sits Lazarus. Custom in the first century, both in the Roman world and the Jewish world, was to give alms, an offering to the poor. And hearers of Jesus' parable, Palestinians and Romans alike, would have been scandalized that this rich man didn't give something to poor Lazarus. Deuteronomy says it plainly. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. Or more poetically from Tobit. To all those who practice righteousness, give alms from your possessions and do not let your eye begrudge the gift when you make it. Do not turn your face away from anyone who is poor and the face of God will not be turned away. From you, For turning your face, for not seeing the poor at all, that is the real sin we are talking about this morning. The rich man was not condemned to eternal torment because he was rich, but because he was too wrapped up in his own self that he didn't even acknowledge the suffering human right in front of him. He is like the people described by the prophet Isaiah, who keep listening but do not comprehend, keep looking but don't understand. And seeing in this context is not just the physical act of vision. It is not, as my better half who teaches anatomy at the medical center described it, reflected light passing through the cornea, focused by the lens onto the retina where rods and cones code the signal that can be transported by the optic nerve, The optic nerve then projects a collateral visual hemifield to the occipital lobe in the back of the brain. I don't know what half of those words mean, but that ain't it. To see, hear, is to recognize, to witness, to mark. We see our Lazaruses, our others, and we do not question their motives, or judge their choices, or shame their mistakes. We just see another, beloved as we are, made in the image of God. And then we feed them, or clothe them, or welcome them, or include them, or we just let them be themselves. That is the sight that Jesus implores us to exercise in this parable. Renowned public interest lawyer Byron Stevenson wrote in his book, Just Mercy, The true measure of our character is how we treat the poor, the disfavored, the accused, the incarcerated, and the condemned. As we leave this chapel, as we receive the Eucharist and go out into God's creation, look around and truly see, see and witness all that is going on the good, the bad, the ugly, and the truly sinful. See and mark those who are too easy to brush aside. Such vision can be difficult, and some may be tempted to turn away. But we cannot allow more chasms to fester, like the one between the rich man and Lazarus. Instead, see and remember that all of us are one, united by a loving God. Our circumstances may be very different, but we are one in God. Look for the oneness, and then all will be redeemed. Amen.